My name is Nathan Kolopek. I am Matthew Morkin. And this is the Veritas Equipping Podcast. Our goal is, especially during this time, to equip you to live out your faith and love Jesus well. All right, Veritas, today we want to talk through something that you do regularly as part of your church life, but also something else you regularly do maybe as your your regular life. We're talking through the concept of worship versus worry, worship versus worry. And we're recording this during the COVID-19 outbreak, so there's probably a lot of worry going on in your life, but we hope whatever season you're listening to this podcast, that actually it will it will help you with the worries of regular life and turning the corner in worship. And we've got special guests today. Uh, we've got Chris Henley, who um, if you've been around Veritas, you heard him about releasing this podcast. He's been announced as our worship director. That, that hire has been a long time coming, so we're excited to have him. Chris, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Glad to be here. So, buddy, we're going to talk through this idea of worship versus worry. And first, I need you to just help us define some terms and understand as we're talking through this, what we mean. So, so what is worship? Like, you're a worship leader. It's in your job title. How do you define worship? Great question. I think uh, worship is probably one of the most misused words in church culture. Sure. That's probably an exaggeration. But uh, it's fair to say that when people hear worship, they probably have preconceived notions already, like, oh, that's when we sing songs, and yeah. that's when we do X or Y. And I would just argue that I think, like, when I boil down what my understanding of what worship is, it's our appropriate response to who God is and what he's done for us through his son, Jesus Christ. So some of that comes out in singing, right? Correct. But you're saying that comes out in more than just what we do on a Sunday together. Absolutely, it should. Uh, so singing is something that we're commanded to do. It's actually encouraged in the Bible, not encouraged. We're told to do it. Yeah. And so um, when, when people ask me, you know, like, well, why do we sing together corporately? Why do we do that part of it during a worship service? I say, well, if you look at how Jesus led his ministry, he was a singer. He, he led worship for, for his disciples. In Matthew and in Mark, you actually see that before he goes out into the garden, right before he's about to take the cup and do that crazy thing he did for us, he sings with his brothers and says, like, this is important. Mm-hmm. So singing is part of it, but we should be worshipers with our whole life, responding with everything that we can to who God is and what he's done for us. Sure. Just reiterating that sentence, like being worshipers in everything that we do, mm-hmm. right? So singing can be a part of it, um, mowing the yard, um, leading your family, you know, reading the word is worship. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so one of the examples, like, like, you know, you're driving in your car and somebody cuts you off. There's an opportunity there to worship God. And how does that play out? Well, differently for everyone. Some people might cuss or swear at somebody typically, and it might just be like, hey, all right, we'll give them some grace. And that's a, the appropriate response to God at the time. Some other people might say, you know, like, you can take every situation you find yourself in and reframe your thinking and how you're actually approaching and entering into that situation and say, hey, I want to worship God in this. And the way for me to do that is respond appropriately. Okay, so we're saying worship versus worry. What is worry? How would you define worry? Yeah, uh, worry, when I think of worry, it's like, you know, if you think of like depression, that's like past. You're, you're dwelling in the past or things that happened in the past. That And that's not psychological, like don't go to the DSM-5 or whatever it is now <laughs> and, and do that. But like when I think of that, and then when I think of worry, I think of the future. So dwelling on things have, that have not yet happened, um, but could. So whether that's perceived reality, like something is going to happen, I'm going to go get my vaccines and shots and it's going to hurt my arm and I'm worried about the pain. 
that's like a real thing that's going to happen. Um, or worry like, hey, this could happen. I could look like a fool when I go and risk sharing the gospel. If the economy tanks, I could lose my job. Could I could lose know. my yeah. job. Things that might happen, but you have no way of telling. Okay, so how do worship and worry interact, play against each other in the Christian life? So worship is more than just singing on Sunday. It's kind of all of life response to Jesus. And worry is looking forward and maybe fear, whatever going on that way. How do they interact? Uh, it's a great question. So when you think of what I just said about worship and what I just said about worry, if you take those operationally defined terms, it would mean that worship is the exact opposite of worry. Because we're dwelling on who God is and what he's done for us. Then we can trust that his promises, everything he said is going to come true, is going to come true. We have nothing to worry about. So while we worship and engage in responding, whether that's through a song or a moment, prayer, um, a relationship, if we are focused on and dwelling on something that might happen in the future that would be a detriment to us, then we are not understanding our relationship with well, and speaking to that a little bit, Nathan, okay, so if, if our focus and our mindset is on God, just saying this in a different way, right? If our focus and mindset is on God, like how is that practically addressing the worry uh, post-pandemic, economic issues in our country, all, all the things that are floating around right now, how is focusing on God practically, how does it practically address those things? Yeah, there's, there's a sense in my life where worry comes from the situations where I'm not in control. Um, worry for me personally is like, man, I, I want a certain result and I don't know if I can make it happen for myself. And so worshiping for me in those situations focuses on God's attributes where he is king on the throne forever in control. His plans will never get thrown aside, change whatever. And I can trust his character in that. So for me, I'm most likely to worry about things where I don't feel like I have control. And then I try to worship specifically aspects of God's character and nature where I can trust that he's in control and that he's good and he's for me. That, that's kind of how that works in my life. So tying in with what you said, Chris, it would seem like when I devolve into worry or even focus so much on the past, it depresses me. It seems like a it is a worship problem. I'm worshiping a false... I'm worshiping a narrative that I want my savings account to continue to grow, and therefore it might not grow. So my worry, my my false worship is worry because it's faltering. Whereas if my worship says focus on God, He never changes. He never ceases. He He's worthy of worship, mm -hmm. true worship. So look at Psalm uh, 46. Uh, Jake taught on that like week one of this pandemic, and where are we running to? What's our refuge and what's our security? If it's in the, our efforts, if it's on us, we are worshiping ourselves. We're saying, hey, we're good enough to do this. But we know that we all fall short of the glory of God. And we're, I'm thankful for that because that means that Jesus can step in. And it's not about me, but I can put my focus on something else. And I got to say, you know, like worry, depression, those are real things. Yep. Very real things. Like, Absolutely. Uh, there are people across the world that are rocked by manic depression and people that have real anxiety that manifests itself physically. And when we're talking about this kind of stuff, we're not saying, hey, we're going to be insensitive, those that have to take medication and those that have legitimate cognitive issues. What we're saying is worry is the enemy of worship. And we can combat that by praising first and recognizing who God is first. 
So for, for you two guys, talk me through the, where this happens in your life. What are situations where you're prone to worry? And then help us understand how you personally fight that with worship. Yeah, that's, a, that's good. Uh, I'll tell you a story to sum it up a little bit. I was a police officer for a short time, and I went through panic attacks. So I was out in the squad car at night, and I'd get a call on the radio, and I'd be like, this is a serious situation. Yeah. I'm going to walk into it, and maybe someone's going to take my life, or I'm going to have to take someone's life. And you ask yourself those questions. What's going to happen here? And I'd go through a series of, of times where I'd, like, I'd have these physical panic attacks where I couldn't control myself. And I'd, I realized that I was putting myself in a position where I was – like, hey, I have, to, I have to be the solution to this problem. And so that was one little, like, situation where I was recognizing, hey, I'm worrying about things that are so far outside of my control that it's just ridiculous. Uh, I was also a chaplain at the training school in Eldora, Iowa, which is a juvenile home for kids aged 12 to 19. They get adjudicated there for serious charges, and you can look it up. But uh, my first ever time leading worship, I literally strum a note. And there's never been any issues at, at chapel or at, at church at this place, never any behavior issues. Hit, hit my note, I'm about to sing, kid in the back just starts going crazy. Punching staff and he gets, he gets you know, taking, like they restrain, restrain him, him yeah. restrain him, all that kind of stuff. And I'm standing there, I'm just, my, my mouth drops. I'm worried. I'm like, how am I going to lead these kids in worship? This is not a joke. Kid in the front row looks at me and says, Chris, just start singing. How profound is that? Hey, we're not going to worry about what's around us right now. So, like, I take that approach in my real life. When I think about it, like, okay, things are coming up. I'm starting to feel these anxious thoughts and all that kind of stuff. Okay, where, are, where am I putting my mind? What am I dwelling on right now? Is it on the future that isn't even, I have no clue. God knows. God knows, and I don't. One, one helpful thing I want to point out in that is you, you started seeing a pattern in your life of, okay, at this time or in these situations, I'm, I'm thinking in the squad car, right? This is when I have a panic attack. And in the moment of the panic attack, yeah, you're just focused on your breathing, trying to get yourself down, whatever. But looking forward to those situations, you you had to start training your mind, right? So so maybe listening in, you're, you're thinking like, okay, maybe there is a pattern in my life around this person, this relationship, this situation, this time of day. I find myself prone to worry. God gives us the ability to have that self-knowledge so that we can fight ahead of time with patterns of worship in that. Spiritual disciplines. That's what you're talking about. That's, yeah. that's 100% right. Matthew, where are you prone to worry and how do you fight that with worship? Oh, prone to worry. How do I narrow it down? Um, <laughs> you know, I think probably some of the things that I worry about, I mean, even just recently, as much as I deny it, I, you know, I'm a big fan of the United States of America and I love, you know, U.S. history and stuff like that too. And um, just... As I've grown in my faith, I've transferred a lot of my hope to the kingdom of God, and there's more hope that I want to transfer there. I'm growing in my faith in the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of the United States. And just seeing some of our country's leaders make different decisions, you know, it kind of gets at you, it makes you wonder about your security and stuff like that. So that's something practical. Economically, I'm, uh, I'm a worrier about that too. I think probably the biggest thing is raising three boys and coming yeah. into the age 12 and in a sexualized culture and it has enough worries man three boys my yeah. word yeah <laughs> exactly but and so so when i fixate on those things when i focus and i only listen to that like i don't want to deny reality we're not talking about beating worry by denying reality you know there are some scary and there are some difficult situations out there 
But when I set my hope in Jesus Christ, and for me, that literally means um, I memorized during a tough time in my life, Colossians 3, 1 through 4, if then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And I literally, practically might quote that to myself 10 times to remember God is on his throne. He is going to sustain my children through their teenage years and their and the years after, God willing. He is going to sustain me. His kingdom is everlasting. So whatever happens to the United States, God will survive and he will not be diminished. And so I just I just have to literally practically do that. You said it. Uh, and uh, I think this is another thing that we think about and it causes us to worry. But we have desires for how our lives would go. We have desires for how our kids' lives would go the people that we are surrounded by and we love. And we think... And I, I desire comfort. Yeah, we desire comfort, we desire health, we desire all that stuff. And what, what happens is we say, our plan, God, is better than yours. Yep. And so when that happens, we put ourselves in disequilibrium with what he would have for us. And when we go against his will or we butt up against that, that's where the disconnect is. So when we realize that God's way is better than ours, it's, one, scary at first, right? Because you let go of control. And then two, free. Because all of a sudden you can step into saying, like, hey, it's not about me. So practically, if I'm going to start worshiping in my regular life, right? Maybe, maybe I'm listening to this podcast. I'm identifying places I worry in my life. And I want to start stepping into that. Practically, you would mentioned, Chris, the idea of spiritual disciplines. But just spell out for me, hey, I'm new to this Christianity thing. I want the kingdom of God more in my life. What do I do to start worshiping as a regular rhythm of my life? Great question. I think the first and, and biggest mistake we make is we look horizontally. We look to other people to say, this is how worship looks. And that is like the exact opposite of what we're supposed to do. Corinthians talks about the body of believers and how we're supposed to have different functions. And so if you look, like right now, our media and everything would say, hey, worship is when Hillsong comes and does a concert and everybody lifts their hands up. Yes and no. <laughs> yeah, that's worship. Great. But that's not worship for everybody. I know guys that worship hard by putting their hands in their pockets and swaying back and forth and not singing. You know, we got to pay attention to what's going on vertically. So the, the illustration I would, I would use for this is it is very simple, but I think it, you can step into this pretty easily. So you want to start worshiping. You want to start engaging in what this is. Well, the, the first thing you need to do is realize that when you go on a trip to Colorado to the mountains, you don't look at the guide while you're in Colorado, you look at the mountains. And so we got to pay attention to what we're looking at and what we're giving our attention to. So worship and worry compete. All of it's competing for our attention. And where are we looking? If we look at the, the people that are looking at the mountain, we're missing it. That's fake. When we look at the mountain, and hopefully you can understand what I'm saying. I'm not saying yeah. the mountain, I'm saying God. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. When we this dude at, really likes mountains for some reason. I do. Mountains are so cool. Yeah. I do like mountains. But, um, but the point is we get trapped and in, in we think that worship is engaging in looking at somebody else who's approaching the throne. Mm -hmm. It's really all of us doing it together. Mm -hmm. Matthew, how do you practically fix your eyes on the mountain? Fix your eyes on God himself? I think this sounds so cliche. And even in saying this, I feel like that guy. 
you, you got to be in the word. Okay. And one of the things that was transformational for me, and this literally happened probably within five years, um, we're reading through the older Testament in the Bible reading plan. And when you read through the older Testament for the sake of memorizing the stories and you're ready to pass your Bible exam or whatever test you're going to get because of it, you miss it. It's not just about David and the Philistines. It's about Yahweh. Uh, it's not just about Abraham. It's about God in Abraham and working through Abraham. It's not just about Israel. It's not just a historical narrative of Israel. It's a historical narrative of God's faithfulness to people who were really a pain, to put it lightly. And so God was faithful. God was faithful. God was faithful. And God was faithful. <laughs> Never yeah. dropped the ball. Yeah. Whether they needed practical food, whether they needed practical shelter, whether they needed a land, God provided for them wasn't the way they wanted it all the time. wasn't in their timing, hardly ever, but God always provided. And so when you're reading through the Older Testament, when you're reading through the Word of God, and it's not just like you're looking for a message just for you. You're looking for a message about God that applies to Chris, that applies to Nathan, that applies to Matthew, that applies to Joe out on the street. That message applies. It's not just to me. It's a reality of God's faithfulness and his worthiness. Like he is worth not worrying because he's worthy of worship. Amen. And just to make you not feel like the guy anymore, I, I found and had conversations with people that say, I'm reading my Bible now, and those songs that we sing are like right, right out of Scripture. <laughs> yeah, bingo. That's what we're they trying to do. Be, yeah. They should be. And I mean, worshiping on a Sunday is part of that because what we're doing is together we're helping helping each other wherever we came into the room look at God. So there are times where I walk in the room on a Sunday and I'm distracted. I've got worries on my mind. My worship is spurred on by hearing other people in the room sing alongside me. My worship is spurred on by the words that we're proclaiming together. Uh, my worship is spurred on by looking at the different people, the way they're reacting sometimes. That that helps me go, oh, right, like my problems fit in this place in reality, but God is, is above it. It fits in its own spot. What if we viewed, and you guys speak into this too, like rather than the church service being a church service, like, okay, I'm coming to the service, right? And then I'm going to sing, we're going to hear the word, and we're going to take communion and do that stuff together. And that's good and awesome. But what if we viewed it as just a culmination of being in the word all week, seeing the hand of God move in my life, in my family's life, in my neighborhood through me, and we came and we celebrated in song. We celebrated in, in the reading of the word and just being directed and charged up with the character of God to go out and do it again. Yeah. Yeah. And that's I mean, a, is that a fair observation yeah. to what worship is? That's exactly, exactly what it is. I think um, so often people will come and say, uh, this is going to sound rude, I'm sure. But <laughs> people will come and say, like, worship was great. It sounded awesome. I'm so, you guys were on it today. Cool guitar, bro. Cool guitar, bro. <laughs> Sick lead line, bro. Cool cool leggings. All uh, language. Whoa, yeah. all yeah. language I'm not familiar uh, with. And then I'll ask them this question. And I would encourage you guys to ask yourselves this question too. What, what about your worship this morning? Great. You can say it was a great song. Great. Well, how was your worship this morning? How's your personal worship this morning? So I do want to say one last, one last thought. So we, we've talked a lot about worshiping and singing and, and responding to who God is and, and what he's done for us. What we haven't talked about is that sometimes those aren't going to be positive feelings. And I just want to touch on that quickly and say, if you guys at home are like, how do I respond to who God is and what he's done for, for us when I'm angry with him, when I'm upset, when these things are happening, I would just point you to Jesus and say, he, right before dying on the cross, he said, take this cup from me. He wasn't happy about it at that moment, 
from a, from our perspective, he was fully human. But he was worshiping God by saying, I'm going to do it because that's what you've called me to do. And in that, he invites us to follow him, to obey by, by grace. Veritas, we hope this is equipping you even to think about the patterns, the rhythms of your life, the things you worry about, but also the ways that you are pointing yourself towards worship. If you find yourself convicted by the, the concept of worry and worship, look to the cross, look to Jesus, and remember, he died for you so that you can worship the Father fully and freely, knowing you have a future that's secure because of what he's done. We hope this has equipped you to walk with him more and to be part of what God's doing through Veritas. 